Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join us in our mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome back to the Amplify Your Process Safety podcast. This is Rob Bartlett, and in today's episode, we're going to be discussing a new technology that may help folks who rely heavily on manual interactions with their processes to prevent operator error and the catastrophic incidents that can result from these mistakes. I am very pleased to welcome Neil Bickey from a startup company called Operade. They were formed in Trinidad and Tobago, and now they are based out of the Houston, Texas area. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Rob, for having me here. Longtime fan. Enjoy the show thoroughly. Well, I'm glad that you get something out of it. Actually, you're here because we had put out a request for folks to let us know why process safety is important to them. And you reached out with why it's important to you. And we'll be including that on a future podcast. And you also said, hey, I've got something that may help some other folks to improve the safety of their processes. So before we get into that, and that's the Operade product that you've got, but before we get into that, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about you and your background and how you ended up kind of getting into this? Okay, great. So I was a senior operator at uh, BPTT in Trinidad. My background is really around uh, electrical engineering and industrial instrumentation. I did a little stint around measurement and hydrocarbon accounting in BP as well. So a lot of the experiences within the BP environment. And eventually I moved to operations. It was the next thing. So yeah, the operations as a senior operator at a facility that handled over 2 billion cubic feet of gas. That's a lot of gas. It is at 900 <laughs> plus psi. So that so definitely have some have some hazards related to that. So tell us a little bit about the details of what happened the night you had the incident that yielded the idea for what we're going to be talking about. Right. Yeah. So you know, as a senior operator on the facility, my primary responsibility was really around the control and the control operations. But we had this really important isolation to perform where we were going to isolate an entire section of the facility. And so the appropriate documentation was drawn up, the marked up PNIDs, these the operating procedures, isolating procedures. I had all the locks, all the tags. I knew exactly what I had to do. I was a senior mm-hmm. operator. I prided myself with having a really good understanding of the facility. So I think it was a Sunday. It was a long day. I was outside a bit you know, dealing with a lot of work. And so I was getting close to the end of the shift. And I told my junior operators, I said, you know, you stay behind the the monitor, the control panel, and I will perform the isolation. Went outside, isolated what I thought was the correct valve, turned out to be the incorrect isolation valve for the power gas system that keeps the entire facility open. And so, you know, that mistake, of course, you you don't see an immediate consequence at that time because there's such a huge buffer of gas. Mm -hmm. When I got to the control room, that's when I saw the entire screen flashing red. 
I can't imagine that. I can't imagine what that moment was like for you. <laughs> like you, you walk back into the control room whistling. You're like, okay, I've done what I needed to do thinking everything's yeah. fine. And you are inundated with alarm sounds and flashing boards and red, red, red. Yep. Fuel gas system shutting down, SUV closing, inlet valves closing. Now, if this facility shuts in, we're talking, I think at the time it was like 13 upstream platforms would shut in. You would have an LNG company that was shut in. The entire country would eventually shut in because that facility at that time was the only source of fuel for our power generation facility. So it would have taken some time, quite some time to happen, but it would have eventually led to an entire country shutdown. And so, you know, just coming back to the incident, I have a background in PLCs as well. So, you know, I looked at the cabinet. I was looking for a fault code on the PLCs. Yes. This can't all be read. There must be some problem something, with the PLC, right? So this yeah. gets into something that we talk about, you know, what we talk about in the process safety world, which is when an incident happens, there's that time where you're trying to figure out why are all of these alarms going off. And of course, most of the time we we fall back on what we know. And in this case, you know about PLC. So, oh, maybe this is a PLC fault. Let's go start there. Yep. So then it just clicked, you know, like, and we're talking here from you know, probably like within five minutes of walking into the control room, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, hold on. I grabbed one of the guys, says, let's go, let's go outside. Went back, took the keys with the locks, unlocked the valve, switched. So at that, that point, you realized that you had done the wrong valve. Okay. Yeah. You remember there was no valve labels at the time. Right. You, and so, you know, I switched the valve. They were physically identical valves and they were physically uh, close, close to each other. And they were close to each other. Yeah. Right. So, you know, human factors one on one. That's that is a thousand percent true. Absolutely. So and when we were talking before recording, you know, you said that the impact could have been, you know, could have shut down the power. We could have we could have shut down downstream users of the gas. And I certainly wouldn't want to be responsible for shutting down the power for an entire country. So, but taking that aside. Another thing that we we're talking about is that whenever something like that happens, you don't know what shutdown valve out there is going to fail. We have, oh, everything is fail safe. Yeah, true, but you don't know something somewhere could fail. And I think, weren't you mentioning that in a similar incident after you left, there was an incident at a hospital related to that or something? Yeah, so I believe it's either 2011, so I left in 2009, and 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. There was a pigging exercise that was being conducted. and. Yeah. Uh, from what I understand, it flooded the entire system that went to the power generation facility. Okay. And because of that, the entire country had shut down for, I believe, about 12, 13 hours. Now, what could have happened with your incident did happen later. Yeah. Lost power. Yeah. And so from one of the reports that was done, it was a national investigation, if you'd like, a commission of inquiry. Sure. Yeah. And there was a hospital that had an issue with a backup generator that did not start. Um, Or it didn't work as it was supposed to, and uh, there was some scrambling to get that working. We don't ever want to have those. So, you know, in the work that we do here at Amplify, we we have a lot of clients, you know, their processes are very manual and they rely on an operator going out and knowing I need to open that valve, not that valve, or close that valve, not that valve, or, you know, start a pump or something. So kind of similar, right, where you've got a couple of choices and you chose wrong. And so from this, you had the idea for a solution and you've turned that into a business. So let's start going to give me some details of Operate and how it can help with real-time error prevention of hazardous releases and catastrophic incidents, because, hey, that's what we're here to prevent, right? 
Right. And what I want to start off with is that as a former frontline operator myself, Operate yeah. was not designed as a compliance tool. Meaning you're not designing it to make sure that people do what they're told to do. No, that's not no. what this is for. As the name says, it's an operator's aid. There we go. Okay. Right. Yep. And so, you know, our point of view is that there is uncertainty, what we call operations uncertainty, mm-hmm. that exists for the frontline operator. Sometimes you go and you're like, uh, did I close the right valve? Did I close the wrong valve? So that uncertainty exists there. Uncertainty can also escalate into the control room, into management, into supervisory. And so there is operational uncertainty, especially around manually controlled systems that transcends the entire organization. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the design philosophies of Operate. But also, primarily, we believe that frontline workers, as Dr. Conklin says, are not problems to be solved, but solutions to be harnessed. Okay. How does your tool help harness that? Right. So what we've done is that we've created a process that digitizes your existing SOPs. Okay. Right. We don't change your SOPs unless you want us to. We take existing SOPs, digitize it. When you say digitize, the first thing that comes to my mind is I scan it and make it a PDF. You don't. That's not what you mean. You mean take <laughs> no. it and do what with it, or, or what's the what's the outcome of that? So we we convert your procedures into an app into a a mobile application that the operator has access to using a mobile device, a phone or a tablet, Okay. right? There is also a web application that the control room operator supervisor can see exactly what's happening in the field that the field operators is attending to. So again, that is what we consider digitization, Mm -hmm. but because of my experience closing the wrong valve, We believe our point of view is that digitization must be accompanied with a process of self-verification. Yes, right. So this is really, not to interrupt, and we'll come back to what what that means, but I see this looking at the demo that we did beforehand. You know, it very much is like, it's a checklist. Open this valve, close this valve. And yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. And that's great. And, you know, we use checklists for that all the time. And in fact, we use checklists as safeguards, as administrative safeguards to help us in a PHA to prevent whatever, you know, whatever failure was going to lead to the catastrophic event. This goes much further, though. So explain to me what what else the self-verification, what do you mean by that? So just like, you know, the human factors that I experienced, right? Mm-hmm. Personally, you can never tell what someone else is going through, right? You could have a sick child. You could be, you know, in financial difficulties, you know, and the best intended worker can sometimes make a mistake. The most experienced operator, you know, because there's a slip, it's a lapse, right? Yeah. So that is what we intended by integrating the process of self-verification. Okay. So that it reminds the operator in real time, listen, you're the wrong valve, or you're the wrong switch, you're in the wrong pump, right? And so it corrects the operator in real time and says, you know, listen, you, you know, you need to do something here. So it allows the operator to self-correct. And how is it just, you know, physically what's going on so that the app knows that, hey, you're closing the wrong valve? So what we've done is that we've integrated a combination of sensors that identify the field equipment. And so if your valve number is 42PV601A, and that is the valve that you're supposed to open in your SOP, Operate's mobile application knows exactly what step you're in and where the equipment is. So you cannot make a mistake like I did at the wrong valve. 
So, okay. So the way I'm picturing this, I've, I've got my phone. Of course, it's, it's intrinsically safer yes, or of course it's otherwise rated for the area. And I go and I'm like, all right, this says I need to open that valve. Okay. So I take the phone, I put it near a tag or some such thing that yeah. says, okay, I am at that particular valve. And yeah. The phone says, yep, that's the right one. Go ahead and open it. And I open it. And now I know, yes, I did it correctly, right? So that's that's part of it. So okay. we also have, so that is what we call a passive IoT. We yep. also have active IoTs that actually, especially for valves, that mm -hmm. you know you need to have that higher level of assurance yep. that the operator followed that procedure where a step may say, slowly open valve 601A. Yeah. And so... We have included within the workflow the ability to measure in real time the position of manual valves using IoT sensors, industrial Internet of Things sensors. So go. it works with a battery, no connections needed. So I can tell kind of like a prox sensor, except it's, it, except it's a little bit different in the way that it's wireless and all that sort yeah. of stuff. But I can say my quarter turn valve is vertical when it's supposed to be vertical. So yes, I know it's closed. Or if I've got a gate valve, it's at the right. I mean, I don't know how it does it, but but it knows that, yes, you know, you've opened it slowly. So therefore, it's OK to start the pump now or whatever. Right. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. So the analogy that we use to kind of make people understand it a little better is like a, yep. it's like a point of seals system that you use at the grocery checkout. The barcode represents the, the skew. Yeah. You scan it out. And so that has almost eliminated cashier errors. You yes, know? right. Yeah. Except that we don't use barcodes. We don't use QR codes because they fail. You know, they they have a high incidence of uh, mistakes okay. and failure. So, yeah, we just use this combination of uh, different types of sensors and technologies to, to do that self-verification. Okay, so now I've got a procedure with 10 or 12 steps I'm supposed to be taking out in the field. Now I have a step-by-step -step way of knowing I'm at the right place to do it, knowing that I did what I was supposed to do before I move on to the next step. It's real time. So in those instances where you've got a field operator and a control room operator, the control room operator actually can see this stuff happening, right? Yeah. There's some other functionality baked in to be able to what like to be able to like report problems and stuff like that. Yeah, so we call it insight reporting. And so coming back to what the operator is, the operator is your first line of defense. And yep. so they often have the best view of where procedure needs to be improved. And yep. so we give them the opportunity to, um, as Dr. Gary Klein says, you know, there are two arrows, one coming down, we want to re reduce human error, but at the same time, we want to increase operator insight. So we give them the ability to say, listen, Rob, you're my supervisor. I think that this needs to be addressed. Okay. And so they tag it to you, you know, and, and so it, it shows up on a map. You always have it available until it's closed out. So pictures, videos, text, whatever you want to put in there. And it's instantaneous as well, it's right? A, so is, instead, of, yeah. instead of waiting for, if I'm out in the field, instead of waiting for me to get back to the control room, get to the computer, put in a work order or whatever, you can see it and automatically do it. I'm sh is there any way, like, can can it actually automatically be entered into the, is there any interface for like the, the maintenance system? Yeah, so those are enterprise asset management software. Yep. So it's just an API call that we will, um, so API call just, you know, touch base with another software. Yep. that you know you want to do this this job you want to so it's just a plug-in so there is a way there is a way to say hey that pump is vibrating too much making a strange sound 
I put it into my part of the checklist here, part of your your app, and it will automatically generate a work go request to. for somebody to look at. And you don't, we don't have to wait for me to go back. We don't have to, you know, rely on me to remember that it's an issue or anything like that. So no, it's it's, there, it's, it's, it's immediate. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so that all sounds interesting. So who are you targeting as potential, you know, customers for this, or maybe who are your initial targets for this? So we did do a couple of um, pilots with uh, oil and gas companies, LNG, midstream companies, but it could be applied to the entire gamut of wherever there is human operators, operations that needs to be done manually, this could be implemented. Right now, we are primarily targeting the oil and gas and high hazard industries. But I mean, we we work in that world, of course, but we also work a lot with specialty chemicals and batch chemicals where, you know, today you're making one product, tomorrow you're making a different product that has different procedures, you know, all that sort of stuff. And having a tool like this would help those operations, yeah. especially because they tend to be manual because you, when you're changing your formulas and your products all the time, you it's very hard to automate all of that. So yeah, I could definitely see this in, you know, in specialties, you know, in pharma, et cetera. So what's next for the company? So we are, you know, fundraising right now, we are looking for pilot partners. We are, mm-hmm. you know, validating the idea. We are looking for what we call developmental partners who would say, you know, listen, I think I need this feature built in. So it's really like, you know, getting the, the product out there, getting user feedback, testing it, getting that sort of rigor behind the process. So what I'd like to say is that we move the customer from operational uncertainty to operational assurance. And that's what we try to do. And that's great. Like I said, I think there is a need for this. One of the features that I want to throw out there for folks, I I know we have some folks that work in companies that have multiple facilities around the country or potentially around the world is in the demo that you showed me, you know, there's a Google map with that you can very easily see where the issues are. And if you go in close enough, you can see, oh, the pump that's on that part of my facility, that's got a problem with it. Or uh, So it allows you to have a more of a I, I know that I know that large companies like to know what's going on in their various facilities, and this certainly is one way to to do that in a way that would help like corporate risk managers and corporate operations folks kind of be able to keep track of those serious issues to make sure that when they're identified that they get addressed, correct? Exactly. And so we just try to make it easier for the entire organization to have a handle on these manual processes, right? Right. And as so, you said, this isn't you, your target is not for a company to use this as a way to say, operator Joe, you made a mistake, you didn't close that valve or anything like that. This is a way to help the operators do their job so that day in and day out they go home safely, right? Exactly. And what I said to one of the companies, we are not a big stick. We are not here to catch your operators out. What we are saying is that nobody intends to go to work and make a mistake. You know, right. If you have those people on your side, you don't have a safety problem. You right. have an HR problem. You've got a sabotage problem. Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's fantastic. As I said, interesting technology. And I've been waiting for, you know, the Internet of Things to evolve within the within the chemical um, industry to the point where we can use it not just for the automated stuff, but also for the manual stuff. And uh, I think this is real interesting. So before we close, any last words for our listeners or anything as far as if they want to reach out to you, an email, a website, anything like that? Yeah. So before I put in the website, I want to you know, highlight a point where, as I mentioned to you, after I made that mistake, because I had so much pride of being you know, this really good operator, 
I began suffering from panic attacks. And eventually, after about a year, I left BP. And those panic attacks, I I went to the doctor and he said, listen, you you really hate your job. And so there are downstream consequences to the operator personally who may not have been physically injured. I never knew that panic attacks. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. And so I just want to highlight to the managers, supervisors out there, there is a downstream effect to the operator as well. When we hear about incidents, and I know this, I was telling you a story beforehand, a personal instance of this that I know of, but we hear of instances, there's two things that we listen for, right? One is how many people were killed and how many people were injured. Oh, nobody was killed, nobody was injured. It couldn't have been that big of a deal. Of course, I'm simplifying, but you get you get my gist. Behind every one of those is somebody who made a mistake. And we're human, we make mistakes. And our job as managers, as process safety professionals is to give our folks the tools to make sure that doesn't happen because even if there's no fatality, even if there's no injuries, there's still mental issues that are going to be impacted like you had with, you know, with with anxiety attacks, PTSD, there's all sorts of things that can happen. And we just, we just, we don't want that. So, okay, well, I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you, Neil. That's a good point. And again, that goes back to why we do what we do here at Amplify. So yeah. Anything else? How about your website, email, or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, you could get me on LinkedIn, Neil Bicky on LinkedIn. The email address, personal email address is neil at operatesoft, as in software, dot com. And I'm available on LinkedIn anytime. Okay, great. And we'll make sure we put those in the show notes for this as well. And if you have any questions out there, in the audience about this week's episode. Questions for Neil, we can certainly pass it along if you don't want to go directly to him. But if you have an idea for a future episode like Neil had when he reached out to us about his company, or if you have a question about anything process safety related, we'd love to hear from you. You can shoot us an email, podcast at amplifyconsultants.com. And finally, our goal at Amplify Process Safety is to save lives by partnering with companies that handle highly hazardous chemicals, to create world-class process safety systems, as it's our firm belief that these systems will prevent catastrophic incidents like fires, explosions, and toxic releases. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us if we can help guide you on your process safety journey. And with that, I will say thank you, Neil, for joining us. I appreciate you you, uh, taking the time, absolutely. And to the audience, thank you for listening. And until next time, be safe out there. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, AmplifyConsultants.com, to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time.